Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Going to talk some USC Trojan football with my pal Keely Yor. She's on the line. We're going to talk to her about what's going on latest around USC football. Getting back to those extended off-season workouts, I guess you could say, because the uh, the rounds of testing the last two weeks or so have gone really well. No positive tests. So we'll talk to Keely about that. Uh, also talking about the Pac-12, the Big Ten. Are they going to be able to get some kind of some kind of football season this year, which looks like it's going a little bit earlier on schedule than we thought before. Maybe it not just happened. We don't know, but we've seen college football over the weekend. There's been a bunch of games. We'll talk about all that and what it means for the Pac-12. Every game you see played that seems to go okay, I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten can get a little closer and closer to actually getting something done. So we'll talk about all the issues uh, around surrounding that. If you have any questions or comments, Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or if you'd rather call or text us, we got a couple of voicemails to play for you today, and a text message, 424-254-9141 is the number. Please subscribe on any of those podcasting apps, but if you have Apple Podcasts, hey, a five-star review is awesome, really helps out the show. Tell your friends you like to listen to the Peristyle Podcast because you like USC football, and we'll keep talking it, even though there's no games. Next weekend's going to be a little tougher when you got Power 5 games. This past weekend, it was supposed to be USC's opener against Alabama. That didn't happen, but we did see some college football, and we're going to talk about all that with Keely Yore. Follow on Twitter, at Keely is my name. Keely, how are you today? Hello, hello. Doing well, Ryan. How are you doing? Can't complain. It's you know a long weekend, still recovering a little bit, and uh, <laughs> getting ready to roll again. Um, nice. A little depressing over the weekend with college football happening. Yeah, I think it hasn't fully hit me yet. I think once we see the likes of Clemson and LSU start playing, then it will it will fully hit me. But on Saturday, I definitely was. I woke up a little like sad, like oh, I would have been in Texas right now. So it kind of hits me in waves, and then it doesn't feel real yet. So I think next week it might feel real. I think you're right. I feel a little more real uh, next week when we got some Power Five teams playing. Mm-hmm. We'll go over the, what happened over the weekend in college football, what it means, and some of the delays that were out there some teams are, are delaying games which you know you everyone built in flexibility to the schedule just in case testing and stuff wasn't going as well as they originally hoped uh before we get into all that i do want to thank trader joe's been a great sponsor for us here at the peristyle podcast wonderful company we love working with them i was just there earlier today keely i had to pick up some of those you know those the peanut butter cups they're so good. And I'm not going to say I ate five so of them good. after lunch, but I ate, I think I ate five of them after lunch. But who's counting? Um, they can last a while, but not if you're eating five at a time. See, that seems like restraint. Are we talking about like the mini ones that come in the, the little tub? The mini one in the tub. Yeah, yeah. Those are awesome. Yeah. Five is restraint, I would say. So well done, Ryan. They're so good that you can't just stop at I a can't, notice. It's hard. Uh, but I, the reason I wanted to go over there, I'm doing a... Uh, Trying to do some pulled pork in uh, the slow cooker. So I bought some pork tenderloin over there at Trader Joe's. And I'm going to try their barbecue sauce. It was a Kansas, a TJ's Kansas City style 
barbecue sauce. I have not tried that one yet, so I'm going to uh, mix that up in the pulled pork. It's it's in the slow cooker right now, so I'll have uh, some sandwiches tonight. I'll let you know how they go, but it uh, should be good. Nice. Hopefully. Very yeah, you know. nice. My go-to go is just yeah, you're 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 ready. My go-to is just picking up some chicken in a in a marinade very quickly at Trader Joe's and putting it in the instant pot, and then you're good to go. Yeah, no, that works well. Was that the pressure cooker one, or is it the yeah. slow cooker? Yeah, 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 pressure cooker. So it takes like ten minutes, pretty fast. Ten minutes, holy cow! I didn't realize that. They also yeah, have the, the seasoned good. ones too. So I I I like True. getting some of the pre-seasoned ones also, but you know. I'm trying to, I just got a new slow cooker, so I need to like use it whatever I can, try different things. It, it can do the pressure stuff too, like an instant pot kind of thing. So nice. Try nice. it all out. But make sure you go check out Trader Joe's. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll start off with the testing uh, numbers that came back. And so it was, I believe it was three different groups of testing uh, for the football players, water polo players, and overall, like 11 day period or so. No positive tests, so they get the green light to go back uh, and do the workouts. Uh, what, did, what did you learn over the, the, the last couple of days, Keely, about that? Yeah, so USC actually, in response, did uh, three different tests over an 11-day period for all its student-athletes. And all three of those tests came back uh, with no positive COVID-19 uh, results, so they were able to get the green light to go ahead. So the last time that both uh, football and men's water polo have practiced was August 26. So it's been a little bit of time, but they're they're back, and I, I'm not sure when they're actually going to get started. They got clearance today on Tuesday, but I expect it will be a little bit before they can ramp back up and get everyone back on campus. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, this is a step that you need to take. You need to be doing some sort of workouts, obviously, if you want to eventually play football. It's not all that critical right now because USC is nowhere close to being able to play football, but you want to keep those workouts going and get, you know, have guys in as good a shape as possible. And once, you know, the main limiting factor right now, and we'll get into more of this a little bit later too, is, you know, the local restrictions. Uh, You know, if you're looking at the Pac-12, six of the teams aren't even allowed to practice right now. You have the four California teams and the two teams in Oregon uh, the, the local government restrictions don't allow large groups to gather. You can't practice uh, football teams. They can only have 12 people at a time. But these workouts are good. I mean, it's, it's more opportunities for especially the new coaches to kind of see and, and work with the players a little bit, uh, either over Zoom or in person, however they can do them, uh, you know, working out in a limited way, but at least in some way. And now they get back to it, which is good. I mean, if they're not working out at all, that's certainly worse than, you know, working out in small groups uh, in these sort of, it's sort of like extended off-season workouts. Um, but I, I think it's a positive step. And if they can keep those numbers down, they'll be ready. I think we're going to see what happens in college football, the college football world over the next couple of weeks. But you need to sort of keep that powder dry and be ready to jump in. And if at some point the Pac-12, uh, USC, UCLA, all the, the California schools, the Oregon schools talk to local governments and you know or maybe it's the governor of california the, you know governors of oregon and california and get the same sort of exemptions that like the rams and the chargers have to allow practicing because of these daily tests that are going to be available we'll talk about that in a second uh i think you want to be ready to go and if it's something where you start these workouts and uh you're able to get a fall camp thing going you know in october or november that's great. And then you could start. And at that point, you'll be able to ready, you'll be ready to play football. But this is sort of like that first step 
they could, took a step backwards, I guess you could say, Keely, stopping those workouts, but now they're at least going again. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing will be going forward how the test results uh, are going forward just because just talking to USC sources they were pretty adamant that through contract tracing this mini outbreak if you will was not because of USC's workouts on campus workouts itself it was based on the student body the regular student body coming back to off campus housing at the start of the semester and so USC put out advisories that uh, a lot of students were testing positive for COVID-19 and thus you saw that kind of trickle into the student athlete population so if they can figure out a way as students athletes to kind of stay away from maybe the the larger crowds of of off-campus housing those students uh then maybe they can figure out how to do this in a non-bubble environment because the problem was that if they kept doing these tests and more positives kept coming it might have shown that they might not be able to keep this under control if you have the full student population on off-campus housing so the fact that they were able to get three uh, consecutive negative uh rounds of tests is a positive sign so maybe they'll be able to kind of uh, jump this hurdle and keep going now that the semester has actually started. Yeah, and I think the more we see stuff like this happening, the more data that you gather, you get a better idea of how the virus spreads or how you can prevent it from spreading. And so far, in any of these athletic competitions we've seen, we're not seeing two teams playing each other causing a problem. You know, we have that's not been, a, you know, it's really just, the outside of the the sports stuff. Like if you're in the NBA bubble, no one has it. So it, everyone's safe, even though they still wear masks and everything in there. Um, you know, baseball, not in a bubble. Uh, we've seen, you know, breakouts from people kind of breaking the rules, but not necessarily crossing over. Like these two teams played each other and, and somebody's getting it. I, I think, you know, we'll probably see the same sort of thing in the NFL. Uh, they're not in a bubble either. Um, you know, and, and, and college football so far, you know, we've we've seen some games. We haven't heard any reports of team A play team B and team A had some positive people and team B got sick because of it. Like we haven't seen that yet. So I think that's all good data to to gather. But where are you seeing the breakouts? And like you said, this was regular students coming back and living off campus and then they're coming back and they're not necessarily getting tested the same way. Um, so. I like it as a data point. And then you kind of realize, okay, well, that's a problem. Don't do that again. And most likely you're not going to see as many positive tests. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though, going forward, because we're still in the very early stages, Ryan, of, of teams playing each other. So we'll see how that goes. Then it, I don't know if you saw today, but Lincoln Riley said that going forward, they're not going to disclose uh, their COVID numbers because it's a competitive advantage. <laughs> so for, uh, we might not have the as much data as we would like in this data set, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more. You know, we have to keep watching as college football starts and unfolds. And if you're not seeing the games itself be a problem, I think it showed, you know, over and over again, it's more data points than the handful of games we saw over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, more data points are better. And, and there's some people that are like, it doesn't matter. They're young kids, whatever you want to say. And we're not going to argue like political stuff or uh, on this, but will, can you conduct college football safely where they're playing a game and they're not getting each other sick by playing a competition between two teams. Um, and I think if that's the case, it's going to open things up to allow the PAC 12 and the big 10 to start maybe earlier than, you know, we, we anticipated part of it's going to be when the power five gets going, and they get, maybe they got a couple of weeks of games in uh, and it works well and it looks like you can do it. You sort of prove, you know, it's like a proven, you're proving the, the concept that this can happen. But 
there's other issues that the Pac-12 specifically is facing. We mentioned sort of the local government stuff, and I think you need to be able to have local governments on board. One of the tools in your toolbox to be able to do that is the rapid testing. And uh, Larry Scott, I think it was Thursday, came out and they had a press conference. He's made the rounds. Uh, usually you don't hear from Larry Scott like this, but when he has something positive to say, he was ready to talk to anyone. I know he talked to uh, you know, one of our 24-7 sports reporters. You can check out that full interview up on uscfootball.com right now. But this rapid testing stuff, Keely, seems to be, at least they, you know, sounds like it could be a game changer where you pretty much know every day who's positive, who's not. So you have asymptomatic people won't be spreading it like as a, as a real issue sometimes. Yeah, I mean... Larry Scott actually described it as a game changer in the press conference. It was interesting. The press conference, we were given 40 minutes notice, which is classic Pac-12. And I was also told that other Pac-12 schools didn't know this partnership was happening. So it was kind of a surprise for everyone involved, which was interesting. But yes, this is a game changer in the sense that you can really contain the spread of the virus and you can uh, know almost immediately. I believe it is 15 minutes to know whether or not uh, a player contains the anti. Uh, proteins for COVID-19. So uh, it basically, if it if these machines, which are expected to get to the universities at the end of September, if they're effective, you can essentially contain effect the infection period or the uh, how infective your student athletes are almost by 100%. So it's a game changer in the sense of it's kind of like what the NFL is doing, uh, where they have their own private lab and basically anyone who walks through the doors of those NFL facilities, they know they're not COVID uh, positive. So it really changes things. And it's what you're alluding to, Ryan. But I think that's why, as far as for the Rams and the Chargers, uh, LA County was quietly moving guidelines around for them because they had their own testing method where they could ensure that uh, they could identify and control the spread of the virus. So the interesting thing going forward is that Will LA County, which I believe is like one of the the three uh, hindrances that the conference has right now, county guidelines, will the county kind of ease up if they are uh, uh, satisfied with what the Pac-12 can do as far as their testing? So it'll be interesting to see. And I believe... Um, the team doctor for Oregon was on the radio today, and he was basically suggesting that Oregon, because Oregon is one of uh, the other the other state that's kind of being uh, really strict about these guidelines. He seemed to suggest that or- Oregon would kind of get on board with this if they were able to produce these tests quickly, as quickly as they say. So it's an interesting development, and this is kind of what the Pac-12 was alluding to uh, in their original presser about canceling the the season they were saying well maybe we can do it in the beginning of 2021 because we'll have a better sense of testing a better capability of testing and Larry Scott in his making of the round making the rounds has said yeah this is kind of what we were expecting but we we didn't expect it to happen this early so now you have the door open for well could you come back sooner than you think it's a it's always a mess Ryan it keeps evolving it does and I think you know there's been some good things from the Pac-12 for sure I think they've handled this way better than the Big Ten which is an absolute Mm -hmm. Mess, but Larry Scott. One of the things that disturbed me, and he talked about this uh, in his interview on Twenty Four Seven Sports, um, where he was saying he was asked about would the Pac-12 push back on the local governments, and he was kind of defaulting to the schools on that. And I think in this situation, if you figure out, okay, we got this rapid testing, we need to go. We need to make this happen. We're going to start fall camp mid-October or something, and we're going to do fall camp through at you know uh, November and start a season after some kind of season after Thanksgiving and at least have some sort of overlap with 
the rest of the Power Five conferences. If you're able to do that, I think the Pac-12 needs to be more assertive and to contact the local governments. You know, you talk the governors of each state. Like, this is what's going to happen. We're going forward. Uh, we need this to to work. We can, you know, we're proving it's working. It's working with the Rams. It's working with the Chargers. It's working with the 49ers. Governor Newsom, boom, we need to do this. I think you have to be the squeaky wheel a little bit. We've seen that work. We've seen different counties push back on the government of, of the state of California and get what they wanted. And usually they have a lot of data to back up what they wanted. You could argue it was the right thing or the wrong thing. In this case, you've, you would have seen college football be playing throughout the country. And if it's working, you now have this rapid testing you're eliminating the spread, uh, you know, because you know everyone every single day. You know they're going to be positive, negative, and you can remove people from the population and not spread the virus. You have all that data. You need to just go to the the government and say, "Here's what's going to happen," and push them back. and And I think you'll get a response. I don't think you can wait and sit back and wait. This is something you have to be more assertive about. And you keep collecting more data, and you get ready. You know, you get yourself ready. You get your ducks in order. Then you go and say, all right, we don't want the government to be uh, you know, impediment to having college football. Here's what we're doing and why. And then I think you're going to get the right answer. So I agree. Uh, it was either the president or the team doctor for Oregon. And I think John Wilner commented that you felt like the, the state of California would follow along. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue now that the rapid testing uh, is available. But I don't think you want to wait around for that. I think that's something you want to be uh, more aggressive and, and, and you know, be preemptive. You know, get in there and say something like, hey, we want to make this happen. Uh, make sure you, you're giving us the same exemptions you're giving the pro teams. See, you can see how the NFL probably stepped in on behalf of the Rams and the Chargers and said, like, it, it's a machine. They're like, we're doing this. You guys step aside. We're doing this. Whereas if you look at Larry Scott and the language he's used around even talking about student athletes and possibly using a bubble, he called it inappropriate. And I just feel he like he's been very passive about this whole thing, even down to when they thought they were playing uh, in a modified schedule. He said he would leave it up to local guidelines as to fans and stadiums. So I think Larry Scott is taking a very passive approach to this and will not force the issue whereas the nfl will totally do that and we can see how they've done that you know i I just i think larry scott is very cognizant of the fact that these are student athletes and there's some things you just can't push as hard as maybe you could if they were professional athletes so while that makes sense ryan i just don't know if larry scott and by proxy the the pac-12 itself will push as hard as probably they need to if they actually want to do something here you know yeah I think the student athletes themselves were going to want Larry Scott to push forward because once they're <laughs> yeah. sitting home watching Notre Dame play Duke next weekend, and they're like, damn it. Why am I not doing that? Let's get this rolling. And those games work. You're going to play eventually, right? In the Pac-12, you see those games working in the ACC and the SEC, you know, assuming they do, assuming there's no issues. And they're, they're, we're, we'll talk about some issues that have already popped up in some places, but if that keeps rolling along and it looks like, hey, all, all of those student athletes are safe playing that the sport that they love, I think they want that same opportunity too. So I think they would, you know, the, the players themselves would want Larry Scott to push back and make things happen a little faster if they can. If, it, if the Pac 12 can help with the local governments, uh, I think the players would like them to do that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, the interesting thing, though, to come out of this presser is I think it alleviated two out of the three concerns that they initially said were why they canceled the season. So in my mind, it's the three concerns are testing capability, local government guidelines, and myocarditis. Now, they kind of figured out one and two pretty well, but myocarditis 
carditis is still a thing and like that was something that back when they initially canceled i heard from people that like the team medical advisory boards gave a really compelling speech about how it's an athlete killer and how it's dangerous but now it seems like they've the pac-12 itself has kind of gotten more on board they announced that they're doing a study uh, about it with harvard so it seems like they're trying to jump that third hurdle as well which is interesting to me i wasn't able to sit in on the presser because they gave us such limited notice and i don't think you were either ryan but but shotgun was telling me about it and he said that they didn't seem as concerned about myocarditis as they once did so it looks more positive in that sense if you will yeah i would say that wasn't myocarditis wasn't a game changer by itself it wasn't the you know it wasn't a it has to, this has to be fixed or else. It was just one of the, it was like something you put on the pile, you know, it was another thing. Um, I don't think they know enough about it. I know there was people, you know, that initial study that came out of Germany, there was a lot of bad uh, data in there apparently. So there's, there'd been some questions and if it's just a temporary thing where it's not necessarily something that, you know, if this was something that was going to enlarge a student athlete's heart for the rest of their life and give them problems forever, that's a big concern. I, I, most of the stuff I've read doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case, but they also there's a lot of stuff they don't necessarily know about it. But I think that initial study might have, uh, you know, put scared people a little bit. And I think even the the initiator of the study was was like, I can't believe that they're shutting down sports because of this study. Um, so I feel like it's it's still a concern. There still could be, I mean, major long term issues we don't know about, but the data hasn't shown that that's the case yet, at least from what I've been reading. So. It's just something to watch, but it's not the game. It's not going to be a, uh, you know, a deal breaker. I guess that if that if you can't figure that out exactly, everything needs to be shut down. Obviously, most everything else isn't shut down, so I don't think this will be the thing that you you got to get over this hump or you got to shut everything down. It seemed more flexible than it did originally in the press conference where they canceled the season. Yeah. It seemed like from from one of the doctors who was speaking, they said that. Even if they were to play, you still have a month or two until that would happen, and thus you'd have a month or two more of of research and, and trying to get more awareness of the issue. And I think it's more flexible in the sense that if they get to month two and they realize, oh, shoot, this is really bad, then they can still make a decision. But right now it seems like they at least let off a little bit of their concerns of this is going to be the one that's going to be the deal breaker, as you said. Yeah. I mean, they could do more studies and find out, whoa, 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 this really is is bad, worse than we thought. Or it's like, all right, this is a side effect. It's temporary. It's not, you know, this isn't the, the end of the world sort of thing. So I, we'll see. But I, I think they feel confident enough that it's not like a high percentage that this is going to be something that, you know, changes everybody's lives forever. Uh, so they're not, I don't think it will be an impediment to, you know, going forward with the season. But just there was so much uncertainty before. And that was yeah. part of that uncertainty. Um, now with all the testing and stuff, at least you know you're not going to have some player out there that's asymptomatic and has it and has an enlarged heart and then has all kinds of problems because of it. Like, you know, they get it. They're out of the, you know, they're out of that, uh, athletic, athletic population anyway. And, you know, you give them the same kind of treatment you would, uh, just anybody else. Yeah. And you also are aware now that you need to have a cardiology clearance to resume, uh, any type of playing or working out. So at least they're aware of that right now. But Ryan, did you catch, um, Larry Scott was asked, how, how much did this partnership cost with Quidel, the the uh, the testing corporation, and he wouldn't disclose it? And this is kind of in the background of the layoffs and the furloughs that the Pac-12 network is having. Did you catch that? It was a, an interesting little tidbit that he didn't want to disclose, Larry Scott. 
they don't like to disclose a lot of their financials and usually only comes out when you get tax returns or whatever, you know, things where you can find things out. Um, and you know, that's just, they don't disclose the ratings for the Pac-12 network or what the revenue is or all that kind of stuff. So I'm not shocked that they're not going to say how much it costs. It seems like it's, it's a, it's not like an expensive test. It's a cheaper test, but still doing tests for everybody every, you know, every day is going to cost some money. But I honestly don't care how much it costs. Like this is one of those things that it's going to keep the you know your student athletes safe. Uh, if if you need this to go forward, I think you use it and you, you'll figure out better ways as you go. But this was a, I do feel it's a game changer. It's going to allow you to do this testing super quickly. Everyone I talked to, they just weren't sure. Like you didn't want to be sending people out there and finding out three days later. Uh, they were positive. I mean, what was it? The, the Marlins had people, you know, they played all weekend against the Phillies that, you know, one of those, one of the first weeks of the baseball season. And I don't know how they didn't have the rapid testing stuff going. I'm not sure if baseball does now, but hopefully you do. You don't want that happening each and every, you know, coming out there every weekend and having guys uh, play like that. But I, I, it doesn't matter to me how much it costs. Keel. I don't think it's going to be as expensive as some of the other tests. It's still probably going to cost the PAC 12, a lot of money. Uh, but I think the Pac-12 knows they can't fall further behind those other conferences. They need to get back as quickly as they can. If those other conferences are playing football and you're not, uh, it's not a good look. So what you need to feel better about it, whatever it is, you need to pay a little bit more for for better testing. So be it. I, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I just, I'm just i just curious how much the machines cost and all that. I'm sure it's a pretty penny. But And oh, yeah. the, the some of the questions that came up were, okay, why are we giving a college football conference the daily testing capabilities when other things are happening? And in the press conference, they kind of uh, had a rebuttal to that by saying that the results that come out of each daily test will be sent to, for research purposes. So the Pac-12 is going to be a part of the largest asymptomatic research uh, data collection. So there will be some medical purposes out of this, not just testing for college football. So that was one of the rebuttals that I thought I would throw in there. I like that. And it's all, and it's all part of, you know, the data scenario. It's, you know, if you're Keelia, you and me don't need to be tested every day. If we're going to like go to Trader Joe's every once in a while and, and, you know, I'll go play around a golf or go hiking somewhere. Like we don't need to be tested every day. If we feel sick, you stay home. But you're going to put these people, you know, in these groups, then you need the testing. So if, you know, if we were working in a, like an old folks home or something. Yeah. We probably need to be tested a lot more than what we're doing, but like what we're doing for our jobs, I'm in a studio by myself right now. I don't need to be tested every day. Uh, is it right that you're going to do that for the the college athletes? I mean, I don't know. Is it right that you could create this NBA bubble? There's, there's a lot of money there. It makes sense. It's entertainment for everybody. Like there's, I don't have a problem with the NBA putting a bunch of money in trying to make the season happen. Uh, cause it's, it's something that it's the, the cost of doing business, you know, and yeah. college football is a huge business. There's going to be a cost of doing that. If you need to pay more for some testing, if it was taking away from hospitals that were, that needed it. Yeah. That, I think that would be an issue. I, that's not the case here. So I think they feel good about not draining like community resources, but also in the long run, keeping that community safer. I think the, the, the everything around USC and all the college towns, you know, campuses in the Pac-12 will be safer knowing that this section of the, the student athlete section of the population will know if they're positive or not every single day where all of us, we wouldn't know that. Yeah. And I think that's why the news to come out of Thursday's press conference was so positive. Um, just because I think it, it makes the conference feel like they can move forward in good conscience, knowing that they will 
ha- they'll have a much better grasp of who has the virus and how they can control it rather than beforehand they were kind of each school was kind of fighting for their own to to go forward you know so i i think they feel better about putting student athletes in this position now that they have daily testing yeah well uh good stuff there so that was yeah like the last minute bomb drop from, from Larry Scott. <laughs> yeah. but gave us Probably. a little positivity right yeah, yeah. over so. the weekend so we're like hey maybe this happens now there's rumors you know big Ten's gonna have a vote start mid-october maybe the pac-12 will join them i don't see the pac-12 doing that i think larry scott was very optimistic that they would start at the latest in january and have some kind of football season they would love to work with the big 10 love to be able to cross and have some some bowl games the rose bowl is a great tradition they'd love to be able to do that uh but the conference is going to make their own decisions I think the Big Ten is feeling pressure to go now and try to be a part of the college football playoff. Where Larry Scott in the Pac-12, like when he would talk about it, just didn't feel like that was going to be as big of an issue. Um, they'd like to play, but they're not like worried about the college football playoff as much and probably because they haven't made the college football playoff for the last three <laughs> years. Maybe if you had an yeah. excuse like, well, we couldn't make it this year because we weren't playing. But if you did play and didn't make it again, it's sort of like, oh, that's four years in a row you didn't make it. So maybe that's his, the concerns there. But the Big Ten is is get under a lot of pressure to go now as fast as possible. Uh, I don't think the Big Ten would love to be pre- playing in like February, um, where yeah. the Pac-12 that work better. Uh, it would it would be harder in the Big Ten with the weather and stuff and most of those campuses. So I think it would be a blow for the Pac-12, Keely, if they if they go and the Big Ten goes, but the Big Ten goes earlier and they don't really have this kind of like synergy where you'd have like the Rose Bowl or something to play for. Uh, I don't know if the Big Ten could get shoehorned into the college football playoff if they start uh, a month or two late. Um, we'll see. I don't know how this is going to work, but there's a little, there is a little bit of concern there. But every week we just keep watching and see what happens, and we'll know a little bit more. This could all get shut down next week. Who knows? We have no idea. But at this point, I think the pressure of the Big Ten – to go earlier is is greater than what it is on the Pac-12. I like that the Pac-12 is saying we can play, you know, we can do a spring season, a shortened spring season and start early, which I think that was the only thing that made sense. You don't want to start in March and then run into the, the following season. But uh, I think the Big Ten, even though there's a lot of rumors out there, I don't believe them all, is probably going to try to go earlier than what the Pac-12 is doing. So do you think that the Big Ten will have the votes to do that? Because, again, it's the presidents and the chancellors who have to overturn that. And I just can't see them having the votes to do that because you need at least 60 percent of uh, the presidents and chancellors to vote. Yeah, they only had three out of the 14 uh, vote for the season. But now I think with the more data that's coming out, the pressure will build each week. You know, having the games and we'll talk about them in a minute, like. Texas State playing, uh, you know, SMU isn't moving the needle in Columbus or uh, Ann Arbor. But will, you know, when Clemson's playing or Alabama's playing or LSU's playing, will that move the needle? I think it will. Um, So I feel like there's going to be a lot more pressure on these presidents. And once it's not just like a few of the, I don't want to say rogue ones, but just the people that I want to play football no matter what, Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. I think you can convince some of the other presidents to, to do that. And uh, I was listening to one radio show or what they, they were talking about, you know, Notre Dame's playing. They're right in the middle of Big Ten country. Uh, what do you think the president of Indiana and Purdue are thinking? That what, Why are they playing and we're not? 
uh, is that enough to put some pressure uh, on them? So I feel like you can win some of them over and then you get to like the critical mass and you can go. So it's, it's not just like switch six, six schools cold. It's okay. Now that we're seeing this happen, people that were on the fence switch. And now it's like, Oh, more people are switching. You can get some momentum. So I feel like they can uh, get those votes, especially if they do something similar with like the rapid testing that the PAC 12 is doing, but there is a lot of pressure. It doesn't matter that all the athletic directors want to go and the, the coaches and all that stuff. But the fact if the more of them that do want to go, I think they can put some more pressure on those presidents. And uh, as they see the rest of the college football world go forward. Now, college presidents have lots of problems. I mean, just students on campus and all that stuff. There's a lot of issues there. But this is something that they could solve if it looks like it's going to go forward. So I feel like they could switch the vote uh, if they end up having another one. Interesting. Now, I, I think there is a good point in there where you say, like, once they see it happening, I think the fact that they made the vote win, it seemed like everything was up in the air and could it be feasible. If they see that it can happen, I think you're right. I think the pressure will be on and they might be swayed. But the interesting thing is that we kind of always uh, kind of speculated that the Pac-12 wanted to go second, you know, have some cover. And if their cover is gone, meaning the Big Ten now is playing football, do you think that they would waver at all? Because so far it seems like they've been united in this whole process, especially even uh, in this last press conference. Maybe there could be some some fracturing, if you will, but it seemed like they were still united in saying, like, this is our plan, it's updated, here's our updated plan, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see this going forward, specifically in the Pac-12, if the Big Ten does fold? Uh, and it folds, meaning folds in actually has a season? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I feel like this is the Pac-12. I mean, Larry Scott already said that they want to have a season in the spring. So it's it's happening. I don't think the Pac-12 will do something in the fall. I don't think it's feasible to do something uh, in mid-October or late October. I feel, and he seemed like, it was a possibility you could do the after Thanksgiving thing, but because you know, you can't even practice at some of these places yet. I get it. Like I, but if you can do it starting after Thanksgiving and you can have like a fall camp, uh, throughout the month of October or, you know, half of October and November, that's great. And you know, whoever you talk to, they, some people say you only need two weeks to get ready. I think Jim Harbaugh said you only need two weeks to get ready. Uh, we've heard six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks. Um, I think if you have like a couple months, before the season would start, you'd be okay. But that means like you need to be cleared. Oregon would have to let you practice. Uh, the California schools would have to be able to practice. But if that's possible, I think it could work. I don't think the, the Pac-12, even if the Big Ten does something by you know mid-October, I don't think the Pac-12 will do that. I don't think they're going to follow along. They want to go at their own pace. Now, they might want to still say, hey, we're going to do a shortened season. We still want to have like a Rose Bowl with you afterwards or whatever it is. I think they would still try to work with them, but I don't see Larry Scott moving up to an October timeframe. I could see him moving up to the November timeframe. If we see, you know, especially over the next couple of weeks, like, you know, Syracuse plays North Carolina and Georgia Tech's playing Florida state uh, next weekend. Um, those are power five games, big name schools playing each other. You watch that on TV and it works. You have, a, especially if some other places are going to have fans in the stands, which I can't believe that's going to happen still, but some are going to try. Right. I feel like that it works, then that's going to push things along. But I, and I don't see the need to move it up to October. Like you're not going to squeeze into the college football playoff, in my opinion, 
Um, but having a Big Ten Pac-12 season, some people are like, what's the point? And you can still have a Rose Bowl. You can still make All-American teams. Like All that stuff can still happen and be done in a reasonable amount of time where it's sort of like taking your, the place of, of uh, spring football next year. And then you can roll into 2021 and all those coaches get experience and those players get experience. And, and I, I feel like it's a positive thing if you're able to do that. And it'd be kind of fun to have like a conference only uh, schedule and just a Rose Bowl, uh, you know, against with the winners. And there's there's opportunities there. And for those USC fans out there that are not fans of the current head coach, they're not Clay Helton guys. You want to see what this team can do with the new defense and all that. Maybe they look really good and you'll probably won't be one over because you don't like Clay Helton. But, you know, it'll, help, it'll make people feel a little bit better going into 2021. You wouldn't have this super, super long offseason of two years or whatever. But if they don't look that good, then it's sort of like, all right, well, he's already on the hot seat. It puts even more pressure on him to do well in 2021. And it would give the athletic department more ammunition to make a change if they felt they needed to make one. So I feel like there's a lot of benefits to having a season. I don't get the argument like, what's the point? They're not going to be in the playoff. They've been in the playoff anyway. You want to play football. You want to get out there and, and see what this team can do. I, I don't I don't get to why the people are saying uh, it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. Now, sorry, Ryan, but are you talking about like a November start or just a early 2021 start for USC? I think the ideal situation would be a November start, like after Thanksgiving kind of start. So you're doing okay. fall, fall camp through November. Um, if not, then you could do fall camp through December and have a January start. But with this rapid testing... And if the, the concept's proven out, I think that works. I think pushing it up to October would probably be a little aggressive just because yeah. half of the colleges can't even practice right now. Um, so, yeah, that would the Big Ten do it just to try to catch up? Like, would they rather be partners with the Pac-12 or would they rather catch up to the other Power Three? Uh, I think they kind of want to catch up to the other Power Three. Will they be able to pull that off? I don't know. I kind of doubt it. But yeah. I see them pushing to do that or some of the – schools pushing to do that where you're not going to really see it on the Pac-12. I think it's a bonus if you get to play. You started playing a game in late November. I think that's a huge bonus. Even if playing in January, you know, you go for a couple of months and play, you're done in March and uh, you got plenty of time off until next year and the next season. I think that works. I, I don't get the people that are like, no, no, that'll never work. Yeah, I don't get it either. And for, I, w- from a revenue standpoint, would it make more sense for the Big Ten to try and link arms with the Pac-12 and negotiate their own TV deals for kind of 2021 early football and have their own like second Rose Bowl? Like, I feel like now they've already kind of missed the, the wave, so might as well catch the second wave, right? Then try and like catch up and have a, a weird type of season? That's That's my thinking, but they're like, you know, they're... <laughs> I'm going to come up with a good analogy here. I mean, like you're at the, you're at the amusement park and it's like, there's the, you know, the, the best roller coaster out there. It's awesome. And you're like, oh, I'm late. I needed to get here early to get in line and I can still get in line, but like, that's the only ride I'm going to get on. And I might not even make it by the time the park closes, or I can go on the second best roller coaster over here and, uh, you know, have, and, and have all, all of it to myself with my buddy, the pack 12, um, I kind of feel like they're going for the big roller coaster still. And it's like a long shot. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. They might not get on the ride at all. And the Pac-12 will be going along in their second best roller coaster and having a good time. Um, I think they can still default to that. But I, I, I feel like 
you've already made the decision to cancel the season, postpone the season. You can't really go back on it. So see what you can do to have a season a little bit later than everyone else. And don't worry that the ACC and the SEC and the, and the, the big 12 are going forward. If you have a season that starts in November, you're going to, they're going to change things. You know, they'll have uh, maybe a final AP rankings with everybody included from what they've seen. You're not going to be part of the playoff. Um, but you will be, you know, you can have your own little bowl schedule between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I think that's a, a good consolation prize for a decision you already made to yeah. postpone. I don't think you can go back on that now. Like, you're out. Like, you're out of the playoff. Yeah. Just go forward and say, hey, let's work with the Pac-12 and let's do something that works for everyone and have as good of a season as we can, still be relevant, and get a lot of eyeballs on your games that, you know, you're not going to be playing up against – Alabama LSU, you're going to be playing up up against nobody or like some other sport, you know? So yeah, I, I feel like you just kind of need to, the big 10 needs to cut bait at this point and say, all right, where'd you, I know we're stuck with the PAC 12, not my, not my pick for prom date, but here's my prom date. Let's go to the prom. And next year I'll ask out the, you know, the, the, the captain of the cheerleader squad or whatever you want to, whatever analogy you want to use. <laughs> Nice, nice analogies there. No, yeah, that ma- that makes a lot of sense, Ryan. But that also requires organization and leadership, which we haven't really seen out of the Big Ten so far. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes forward from here. Yeah. Well, we did like we mentioned football over the weekend. I didn't get to watch a lot. Did you watch many of the games or any of the games or? Not really. Does that make me a bad football reporter? No. I, I was I was more NBA playoffs than I was like random week zero one football games. <laughs> yeah, and it's I mean there was a bunch of crappy uh, games. There's a couple on Thursday, like Central Arkansas, you know, Alabama, Birmingham. Uh, an interesting one on Thursday. South Alabama was like a two touchdown underdog to Southern Miss. Um, and uh, Southern Miss lost uh, 32-21 at home. And they either fire or he resigns. Their head coach, Jay Hobson. So we heard that there wasn't going to be a lot of coaching turnover during the <laughs> pandemic. Dude, like earlier than last, like you're, you got you got fired after one game. Um, wow. It's uh, that's kind of nutty. Uh, Army beat up on Middle Tennessee State. Like Marshall won 59 nothing over Eastern Kentucky. I don't know, like North Texas. Yeah, there's just a bunch of kind of crappy ones. Um, Memphis beat Arkansas State. That was actually good. I watched a little bit of that. That was pretty good for a while. Uh, BYU just rolled Navy 55 to three. Like that was, yeah. that was ugly. And Navy was a team that wasn't like doing any kind of contact and practice. I, I think oh, you need gosh. to practice. If, if you want to say like, do you need to have contact and practice? That game was probably a good example of, uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Don't go the USC route is what you're saying. You need a little contact and practice, but <laughs> BYU looked like they, I mean, they looked good. And, uh, and I think BYU only has like eight games this year. Cause I mean, obviously yeah. they're independent. Like their whole schedule got screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably their best game. So like, or the best team they play. Uh, I think they play army also, but they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like you're gonna have teams like BYU that could go like eight and zero. You're like, all right, are you in the playoff? <laughs> like, I don't know. But- <laughs> A season of madness. But Ryan, as far as last year, if I told you after this weekend you'd be talking, the Alabama you would be talking about is South Alabama. Would you have believed me? <laughs> no, like there's no, no reason. I don't think I've ever mentioned South Alabama on this podcast <laughs> ever. But yep, there's it's a football a game. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, but there are some so. While those games make me feel optimistic, and this coming weekend I'll feel a little bit more, we'll see some Power 5 teams, there are some, I, there's going to be some teams that aren't going to be able to go. Uh, I think Rice is one that haven't really even practiced yet. They've Their season, I think, is in jeopardy. They had a game 
uh, at Houston, and they've uh, postponed that right now. It's supposed to be September 3rd. Um, there's a couple other games, like SMU at TCU got delayed. They were supposed to be September 11th. North Carolina State and Virginia Tech, so a couple of Power 5 teams, they moved their game from the 12th of September to the 26th. Um, you know, yeah, there's a bunch of Rice games got postponed. Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Uh, Tulsa had a bunch of issues, too. They moved it a week out from September 12th to September 19th. So I think those that flexibility in the schedule stuff is going to come into play. There's going to be some situations where teams just aren't doing as well virus-wise and they're not going to be able to play. Maybe it's a position group that gets decimated. But I don't th- see this as being like a wide problem. There'll be some programs that might be done, you know, and this is a weird year. If Rice doesn't get to play football, they don't get to play football. You know, it's like, okay, you're out and and you go forward, what else? But where most of the teams and other conferences are going to be able to play and you keep moving forward. So I this will be something to watch. There'll be some, some I think there'll be outliers, Keely, that like, they got to delay games. They got to be postponed or whatever. And it affects the other teams you play also, but that flexibility allows you to reschedule it later on. But if they're, if the reschedule date doesn't work either, and that team that just, you know, there's not going to be able to play anymore. You might see teams, you know, of the 14, you know, teams in the sec, is there one team you know, like Vanderbilt just isn't going to play much or something? Who knows? Uh, you might see some of that, but I think for the most part, teams are going to play. They're going to keep going. But there are probably going to be some that like these these cancellations just happen and uh, it doesn't work. Yeah, and I think you would see most of the cancellations might happen at the beginning of the season, like wherever which each conference starts and gets things going. Because like I thought that was really smart with the Pac-12 original schedule is that the first couple of games they put a lot of wiggle room because they knew that there would be just be a higher percentage of positives if you have everyone together in the beginning rather than before when they weren't together. So I think going forward for the Pac-12, if they make another schedule, it would make sense to keep that flexibility because that's the only way you're going to be able to have a good proportion of games played. Otherwise, I feel like you're going to have to keep delaying things if things keep happening. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll keep on top of that. I mean, every game you play, that's positive, but if there's games that are canceled or postponed or whatever, that's a negative. And, you, you know, if there's most of the games are going to have to be postponed, then you probably can't go. But if it's just a handful of games here or there or one program or two, that's probably not a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's not a good thing, but it's not it's not a deal breaker thing, which is that's what we're sort of looking at here. What's going to, yeah. what's going to be the deal breaker that stops the college football season. And I think it's going to have to be a whole lot of games being postponed or canceled. Even then, I don't even know if that would stop it. I think this train is going, whether or not things, things wanted to stop, it's going to keep going unless like, I hope not cross your fingers, something tragic happens. I think it will just continue to go as further, as far as it can go. Yeah, you got the train conductor like full foot on the the throttle, <laughs> through the yep. brake out the window, and it's just like, all right, well, if the bridge is out, we're done. We're we're going forward no matter what. We'll try to jump it uh, if that happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer some questions. <laughs> Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. 
Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. We got a couple, uh, got an email, got a text. We got a couple of voicemails to get to. Remember, if you want to send us a question, podcast at uscfootball.com. We'll keep rolling along with the episodes, even though we don't have any Pac-12 football to talk about. We've got all this other stuff to talk about. Sure. Will Pac-12 play? And we're, we're getting some more answers. We'll see. There's still a ton of questions out there. But uh, where do you want to start, Keely? Let's go to our first email, and it's from Steve in Carmel Valley, who says, Hi, Ryan and team. Thank you for your podcast. I appreciate everything you guys do. I listened to the Bruce Feldman podcast, and after the interview was over, I heard Ryan and Keeley spend about five minutes going through a laundry list of reasons why USC can't play football this fall. I felt like I was listening to a secret recording made in the USC administrative offices during discussions on what to do about this year's fall football schedule. Every point was based on fear and worst-case scenarios. I'm just afraid that if USC doesn't make a real effort to play this fall, they, they will then be relegated to JV status by the SEC, ACC, and other leagues as they do end up playing. This is where leadership needs to happen. Think creatively about rigorous testing, contact tracing, and quarantining, playing slash practicing out of state, and even aligning with another conference. I'm pretty sure if Nick Saban was the coach at USC, he wouldn't be operating from a position of fear. He would be trying everything to he'd be trying everything to find solutions. Thanks again, guys. Fight on, Steve in Carmel Valley. Hey, Steve, thanks. Uh, definitely not fear. It's more about realism, and it's a completely different environment where uh, L.A., you know, in Los Angeles and Tuscaloosa. If Nick Saban was a coach at USC, he might quit, but he's not gonna, he wouldn't be practicing right now. They wouldn't be playing. Um, he would put a lot more pressure on everyone from the governor and everyone, but I don't think that was going to change things. There's a, Unfortunately, politics get involved in all this stuff, and uh, you're, you're talking about the red state, blue state thing, and right now, I don't think Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney or Urban Meyer as the head coach of USC would be able to do much more than what they're doing right now. Now, I think they need now that you've got, uh, you know, some more weapons in your uh, arsenal here as far as like the rapid testing and stuff. That's great. I don't think playing out of state was going to be something that was realistic. Uh, I mean, th- these are college students. They're going to college in the state of California. It's hard to justify Unless you're going to do like a semester abroad or something. The whole football team doing a semester abroad in Utah. Let's do that. Uh, no, so, <laughs> abroad. Yeah. Abroad. The, across state lines in Utah where, where they can actually practice. Um, I don't. Yeah. But I feel like now that some of those risks are, are, are being addressed, you can put pressure on. Now Nick Saban would push forward. I think Nick Saban right now. Say, hey, dude, we got rapid testing. We're going to do this out. Everybody's safe. We had three rounds of tests in 11 days. Nobody's positive. We're playing. I think that could work. Um, 
I feel like, but the way things were and the environment it was, all those reasons that we were talked to about, I mean, they actually did uh, make a lot of sense. And But now you can go to those governments and push them uh, to open things up more, especially if you see the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, the Rams and Chargers are on freaking hard knocks, for God's sakes. Uh, I mean, you got they're practicing out there with, like, film crews. Um, I feel like it could work. But the way it was before, I don't have an issue with the, the delaying of the season kind of thing. Just from all the data that we had been given, I get it. Now, I think as long as you're, you know, you can see the first couple of weeks of college football go through no major issues, then I think you have to change your setting. Like, okay, we made these decisions then with the data we have. Now we have a lot more data. Now we feel we can have this safe environment for our college football players and they want to play and the coaches want to play and the athletic directors want to play. We feel like we can do it safely. Let's push everything we need to do, get everyone organized, get the practices ramping up. Have your fall camp whenever you need. Start the games November, whatever it is. I think you can do all that. But there wasn't about negativity before. It's just really about where the Pac-12 is and the environment it was working in. It was going to be next to impossible to do this and know that it was going to be safe. Allowing, you know, if you go to, I went to Hawaii, and uh, I think we we're in the North Shore. It's like the. Uh, no, was it, where was it? No, this was on the Big Island. Uh, the Big Island that was like, I think the southernmost tip of the, the United States on the Big Island. And there's this huge cliff. It's like, I think it's like 50 feet tall. And there's a, a long ladder going down into the water. And I guess boats used to pull up to this cliff, the, the ladder, and they would climb up the ladder because there's no like shore there. It's this huge cliff in the ocean down below. Um, and I like kind of adventurous stuff. And I'm going over this cliff. And it, you look down and it's freaking high and you got to climb this, this rickety ladder to get up 50 feet up this cliff to get onto the shore. Um, but other people were doing it before me. So I wasn't going to be the first one <laughs> to jump off that one. But once someone else did it and showed me, Hey, it could be done and you, you're not going to die and there's no rocks under there or anything then I'm willing to kind of go forward. The ACC and the SEC and the big 12, they're willing to jump off. Uh, and, if it all works, they're right. Now, the environment was a little different and everything, too. But I feel like now that the concept's been proven, it's going to be easier for the Pac-12 to, to jump off that rock and, 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 and you know, land in the ocean and feel good about it. But it's not just that the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 go through if it works. But it's also that they feel better about their local environments, what they can do. With the rapid testing, they can satisfy the, the needs of the local government that you're not going to be making this a public health problem for the rest of the the county because you have college football being played. You're testing them all, all the time. You you show them that, hey, we're not going to be a problem for the community. We're not going to make this spread worse. We're actually going to be improving things. So long, long winding answer there, but hopefully that <laughs> makes sense to you. Was that a good analogy, Keely? I don't know. Well done. You're an analogy machine, this podcast. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I just want to reiterate, because I think we get some questions about this. It's like, I feel like some people have the misconception that every college, uh, every conference had an even playing field and basically was given the choice. Hey, do you feel like playing football this fall? Do you think it's safe? Are you scared about it? And that's just not the case. I mean, even if the Pac-12 wanted to, and Larry Scott said as much, they wanted to play tomorrow. They can't because they're tied by local and state guidelines within each of the the conferences, each each of the states within the conference. So, 
right now USC can't even work out indoors. And so <laughs> daily testing will definitely help with what they can uh, do within the county and the in the state and whether or not they can renegotiate some things. But they were their hands were tied in the Pac-12. And so it wasn't like they were in SEC country where things are much more lax. It was so it's not it's not a question as to whether or not it quote unquote means more. It was definitely a, a, a it was over their heads as far as what, what they could do. Yeah. Let's go to a voicemail. Uh, I think someone's having a little withdrawals that this was an Alabama weekend and it didn't happen. Here we go. Hey, Ryan, Keeley, Dan, and the whole Parastyle podcast crew. This is Sir Eric Ochoa and Rancho Cucamonga. You know, I got to tell you, today I am going through withdrawals. Man, today, September 5th, we were supposed to be in Dallas, Texas, going to war with Alabama. And, I, man, I just I just can't tell you how much I, uh, I miss being there today was supposed to be our Trojan family opening day, family reunion um, on September 5th. Uh, obviously, it's not happening. So I want to ask the Trojan family uh, to do me a favor. I have an idea. Every Saturday, every Saturday during the times that we were supposed to play, let's dress in our colors. Let's put our flags on our cars and everything. Let's uh, let's show everybody that this is what we would have been doing. We're supporting the team. We're supporting our family, even though they can't play. Every Saturday, I'm going to wear my Trojan jersey or, or uh, my polo shirt, my hats, anything and everything I would have had on during that Saturday. I might even be walking around with my game day beads on. And uh, and I'm challenging the other Trojan family members who are with me on this and who, who are feeling it and missing it just like I am to join me, okay? Every day that we're supposed to play, either one of those days that were Friday uh, night game, the same thing, okay? Dress in your gear on our day, all right? Keep fighting on. Sir Eric of Troy. Oh, that's a good idea. Sir yeah. Eric of Troy. Well done. I like it, Sir Eric of Troy. Nice. Yeah, get out there and uh, – I don't know. Is it going to be weird, though, Keely, if people like, wear their USC shirt and they flip the channel and, like, Alabama's playing or something? <laughs> Probably. It might put salt in the wound, but you never know. You might in – in their eyes, it might be being a good fan by doing that. So, who knows? Whatever you can do to cope in this time period, go for it. <laughs> We appreciate, yeah, anything you want to do to cope. We're actually going to do a feature, um, you know, that will be coming up. It's not going to be hosted on this channel, but uh, we're we're working with the uh, Trojan Marching Band, and I'll be hosting a, sh- a little show with uh, Dr. Bartner. So every week, and kind of go over some old traditional games and some of the traditions and stuff. So it might give you a little uh, game day feel each and every week. So I think. Uh, Today, what today's Tuesday? I think this weekend it'll probably be coming out. So uh, make sure you check back on uscfootball.com for that. So maybe maybe it'll give you a little weekend fix uh, for your college football and, and inspire you to go out there and wear your USC gear. Fun stuff, Ryan. Exciting. Something to look forward to for yeah. USC fans. Check it out. So we have a text from Eddie in Orange who says if the Pac 12 is the only major conference that doesn't play this fall, they are nothing more than the MAC with a slightly better TV deal. Eddie from Orange. Eddie, he's so happy with everything that's going on. Um, well, <laughs> they're not playing this fall, so I don't. I mean, that's. I think they're a little bit better off than, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's not uh, the Mac with a slightly better TV deal. It's a significantly better TV deal. Um, but you're right. I think it doesn't help if the Pac-12 doesn't play at all. But the good news is Larry Scott. Looks like he's ready to get this, you know, get the things rolling at least, you know, the the latest by January. And I think that that's all you can ask. I, I don't have an issue with them postponing the season at the time with everything that they had 
everything that they knew. And I think now it's, it's the winds have shifted. It's going in another direction. I think you have a real opportunity here to, to play some football and it will be significant. I no one that's saying like, Oh, there's no point. I don't buy that at all. So they're going to play. Maybe it's late fall. Uh, if that's good enough for you, Eddie, I don't know. Um, maybe it's in January, but they're going to play some football likely alongside of the big 10 and likely have some kind of Rose bowl thing. And I'm fine uh, with that. Uh, I feel like you've, take into account the, the health of the student athletes. You made the best decisions you could, and they've at least been all on the same page in the Pac-12. It's not the mess yeah. that we're seeing in the Big Ten, an absolute mess. It's just, and it continues to be. Um, so I like that the, the programs are in lockstep. Uh, I would love to see California and Oregon open things up to allow those teams to play if they can do it in a safe way, which now it looks like they can. Uh, and then that just kind of opens up more opportunities to like, well, we can start fall camp on this date. We could start games on this date. Uh, I think we need to get going in that direction. And every week that goes by that we see college football on television, people playing, uh, even though they got refs blowing electronic whistles and all kinds of weird stuff, you're still playing college football. And that's what matters. Even though there's a whole a bunch of crappy games this past weekend, it was still college football. And the more and more we see it, the more likely we see USC back on the field at some point. But I'm sorry, you know, they weren't able to play uh, starting this month, but Eddie, maybe would you would you mind and start at Thanksgiving? Would you mind if they started in January and get some games in? I wouldn't, but uh, well, hopefully you wouldn't either. Now, Ryan, in your opinion, is it better that the Pac-12 has been organized and might not play this fall, or would you rather, in the long run, optics-wise, it would have been better to maybe be the Big Ten and be messy and still play in fall? What's What's the lesser evil in your mind? No, I think the lesser evil is what the Pac-12 is doing. I think yeah. the Big Ten, they made a decision that they didn't. They're not. Not everyone was on board with. And like, would USC and UCLA have been on board if California was allowing them to practice? Maybe not. You know, I don't know about that. Probably not. But you might have had more pushback. But when half of your schools can't even practice, there's not as much of a decision to be made. Where in the Big Ten, it's definitely more of it. And you got this. You know, it's it's not all central on the West Coast. I mean, you have different teams that don't really care as much about football, like Rutgers. Like, do they really care? But you have Ohio State, who's going to be ranked number two in the country. Hell yeah, they want to play. You got Nebraska, that that's basically the only thing going on in the entire state. And Iowa, I mean, there's not pro sports there. There's nothing like that's what they live for every year. You're pushing for that. So it's I, I get it. I get why there's some dissension. I don't think uh, Kevin Warren handled it uh, very well. But now that you've made that choice, I don't think you can go back on it. And what is the consolation? Like if you get everything rolling, like you make the decision now to go and you're able to start like mid-October. What is that that big of a difference? Like I don't you might as well just postpone it. You know, it doesn't really yeah. you've, mid-October. So you already have like a, at least a month of games for, you know, some of these other schools. I if you could squeeze your way into the playoffs somehow. And get the, you know Bill Hancock and all those guys to delay the playoff and conference championship games and all that stuff. I guess you you know you could get a national championship out of it for like an Ohio State or something, but I don't know. I just don't see that working. I think you're you're not going to be able to build a schedule with a lot of flexibility in it. So if something bad happens, um, because you're going to try to like shoehorn this in really quickly. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, why did you make why why did you make this decision to begin with? So, cut bait. 
go say, hey, we're going to have a season Thanksgiving or January, whatever. We'll play the Pac-12 and go from there. So I, I kind of feel like that's what they need to do. So I, I'd, I'd rather still be in the Pac-12's position right now. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But eh, we'll see. I think we got, <laughs> we got one more voicemail. I think that'll be it. Yep. Here you go. Love your show. Hi, Ryan. Love your show and, and, and your co-host. Uh, let me come at this from a different angle. Uh, I think the, the Big Ten is having so much problems, uh, so many problems, is because they expected there'd be a trendsetter and have the rest, the ACC, SEC, and the, uh, the Big 12 go along with them. But when the only conference that followed them was the lonely Pac-12, number five out of number five in the uh, power rankings, I think they were embarrassed. At least I think their coaches were embarrassed. And that's why you have all the uh, all the dissent. And as, and I know this is long. Well, you don't have to play it. And as far as uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, the Pac-12 coaches not making a peep about wanting to play, the top three profile teams in the Pac-12, uh, you know who they are, all have potentially or could potentially be blown out the first week of the season, thus ruining their uh, their playoff. Possibilities, uh, you know. Uh, speak about that. What do you think? Am I way out on the limb, or is that possible? Thank you. Yeah. Um, as far as the games go, with uh, the you know, he's talking about Oregon, Washington, and uh, and USC. Yeah. Was USC going to get like rolled by Alabama? Probably. Right. Like I'm not you know questioning that, but I think. Oregon and Washington having home games against teams like Ohio state and Michigan. Those are great opportunities. It's not, not that USC Alabama is not a great opportunity. If you could beat Alabama, that's a huge opportunity. Like that you're on the national stage instantly. Boom. I don't think that was realistic, but it was realistic that Oregon could beat Ohio state at home in Austin stadium or Michigan, you know, Washington beating Michigan at home in Seattle um, so I think those are really missed opportunities. You read a lot of stories like who benefited the most from this pandemic. I mean, someone like a, a Clay Helton, there was these, there were certainly opportunities to win games, but he was going to play Oregon on the road. He was going to play Notre Dame. He was going to play Alabama. Like you lose a, but you know, those, those high profile games, that's just not good for your resume. Now those games are gone. And, uh, but I feel like for a Mario Cristobal or, uh, I mean, you know, for Jimmy Lake, I mean, you wanted those opportunities because those are home games. And I think that would have been a really good um, chance as far as like the trend setting stuff. I think, yeah, I felt like they were, you know, sometimes you have like a group of friends, you're some, you're clicking high school or something. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to wear uh, whatever it is. Like uh, there's a new kind of shoe or a jeans or something. And you wear these new, this new brand of jeans and you want all, you know, you're at the cool people table and you want all the rest of the cool people to wear those. And then that's the cool jeans to wear and everyone's going to wear them and blah, blah, blah. Well, they put on the cool new jeans and most of the people at the cool table didn't put them on. They're still wearing the other brand that everyone else likes. And one of the like fringe friends put the cool jeans on, but it wasn't enough to kind of convince everyone like, Hey, these are, these are where it's at. Everyone's all looking at the other jeans. They're like, yeah, and now you're not necessarily the, you know, the hierarchy of the cool table. You're not high up on the cool table anymore. So you might've been, right up there at the start. Now you're not. And now you're sort of like borderline. You might have to go eat lunch somewhere else. Um, I kind of <laughs> feel like that's what the big 10 uh, did. Yeah. They wanted to be the trendsetter. They wanted to, 
uh, have those. Uh, everyone else at the cool table follow them. But the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are like, nah, I like these other ones we've been wearing. They're still, there's still some cool factor left in them. We're going to go forward with that. Um, if that makes sense, Keely. Yeah, no, it does. You you have to wonder the false sense of confidence that the Big Ten had after they went to a conference-only schedule. Because at the time, that, that was like an earthquake in the college football world. You know, that was like, oh, what are they doing? And then the dominoes fell. And even the SEC, who was like, coronavirus? What's that? <laughs> they were like, okay, I guess we'll go conference-only schedule. So I'm sure the Big Ten kind of felt like, hey we are the decision makers. Look at what we did with the conference only schedule. And then they kind of went out on a limb on this or not on the limb, if you will, but they went out and did this and went first, wanted to be the trendsetter. And then the Pac-12 goes. And then I think they were kind of holding their breath. Like, wait a minute. Are are ACC, SEC, are you guys coming? And nothing really happened. So I think that they were a little, you have to assume that they thought things were going to happen as far as dominoes that just didn't end up happening. Yeah. Um, They've been a leader, and it's good. Uh, they tried to lead all of college football into this, and they took a risk, too. So, you know, a lot of times, Keely, you probably weren't at the cool table, you know, like I was or whatever, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. But, you know, you wow. have little meetings. What do you go back? Uh, what was it? Uh, mean Girls? Yeah. Try to make fetch happen or whatever. What was that? Is that the... <laughs> You can't make fetch happen. Stop trying to make it happen, Ryan. Exactly. So you tried to make fetch happen. So the Big Ten was trying to make fetch happen. All right. What, what was the word? It was supposed to be like, it's like cool or awesome or something, I think. Right. Like yes. that's so fetch. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Okay. So the Big Ten was like, I'm going to make fetch happen, but I'm not going to tell the other cool kids. I'm just going to start saying fetch. And then like the one cool kid who's sort of like the hanger on, that's not necessarily part, but she's, you know. She was sort of part of the group, but sort of like on the outskirts. You know, she starts saying fetch. She's following what the Big Ten was doing. That would be the Pac-12. But the other mean girls were just like, uh, no, don't make fetch happen. So if you had a meeting and you kind of explained to them why fetch was going to be cool, maybe you could have got all the mean girls in to say fetch. But they just dropped it on them. They, she did, Big Ten just, I mean, uh, yeah, they just dropped fetch on the, the rest of the cool people. And they all said, screw this. Uh, we're not going with fetch. So I think that was part of it. They tried to be a leader, but they needed to sort of like get the votes on their side first before they introduced this. Um, if they didn't have the votes and they still felt super confident about fetch, then you go forward and, and, and you fetch it. You cancel the season. But if you didn't and you felt like they were just going to follow you, that was a mistake. Uh, and I feel like they were just felt like everyone was going to follow them. Um, and I think, yeah, they tried to make fetch happen. It didn't work. <laughs> I just, I had to mute my mic because I was laughing too hard from you <laughs> saying fetch 90 times in that one span. Yeah, no, I think that's a great analogy, Ryan. <laughs> you can't make fetch happen. Nice. I got to go watch that movie again. That was, yeah, uh... I think a lot of our listeners probably haven't seen Mean Girls, so we'll see if this this uh, line works. I'm going to have to, I'm going to drop this. Uh, we'll have to play this little bit for some of our college football friends to see if that's a, if they like that one or not. So yeah. I. Yeah. I think it's true. I think I think Big Ten tried to be a trendsetter, and they could have, you know, I think they overestimated their position where the, everyone, oh, the SEC, they're going to have to cancel if we cancel. And they're like, nope. And maybe even if they convinced the Big 12, they didn't have to go ACC, they didn't have to go SEC. But if they could have got the Big 12 and then you, the balance of power has shifted, yeah, uh, it would have worked. But unfortunately the big 10's dance partner wasn't as powerful as, you know, the ACC, 
They got the SEC next to them. The SEC, they got the ACC, and they both got the Big 12 there, where the Big 10, you got the Pac-12 next to you, which is nice, but it's not necessarily, you know, in a fight, I, I want my biggest, you know, strongest, craziest dude next to me, not the guy that's, you know, the, the, I don't want my accountant friend here, like, we're in a, a street ball, you know, like, I got my accountant on my side, it's nice to have somebody there, but I'd rather have that dude that, you know, <laughs> probably makes a lot of bad decisions on the weekend, but he's on my team fighting as opposed to the, my my accountant friend that has the, the perfect credit and a, and a great 401k. Like, I don't really want him in the fight. I want the guy that, like, lives month to month and, uh, you know, can't keep his car fixed all the time. That's the dude I want fighting with me. Interesting. Now, <laughs> this makes you wonder if Kevin Warren wasn't a first-year commissioner and maybe was more of a veteran and had more context within the college football world, do you think this would have gone differently? Yeah, I don't think... Uh... Or would he even made this decision? Meaning, like, could he have had more pull within the other conferences? I think if he wasn't a first-year guy, he could have had more pull. But also he wouldn't have tried to make fetch happen on his own, you know? True. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's part of, part of it where not only could you have potentially made a, maybe you delayed a little bit. I mean, just coming out with your schedule and canceling the season six days later, that's a bad look in itself. The Pac-12 at least made their schedule. And there was a couple weeks later, right. When they canceled things like within the same calendar week, you do that. Both of those things, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So mm -hmm. it's I think it was a combined series of of missteps uh, for Kevin Warren, unfortunately. And uh, that's now the Big Ten is in some really strange world. Hey, who knows? Maybe it works out. Maybe they get their act together. Maybe they start playing October 10th, as some of the rumors have been. And they get squeezed in to the college football playoff somehow. Ohio State wins the Big Ten, gets picked for the playoff and wins it all. And they get a national championship out of it. Like that's sort of like the the kernel of hope you're ho like, that's what you're looking for. If you're the big 10, I, I just don't see that happening, Yeah. but they want to keep that dream alive. And, uh, I, I just don't know if it's worth it at this point. Yeah. I don't think so either, but we'll see. We will see. All right. Well, man, we went, didn't have a lot to talk about and we went like Long. an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. That's just you and Look me. Yeah, I know. Man, <laughs> we had Dan on, it'd be like two hours. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, wow. We're doing them proud. <laughs> yeah. I want to, so we're, you know, Dan listening out there. I know there's people like bite his tongue, like, Oh, that's wrong. I would have said this. I would have said that, but, uh, you know, hopefully <laughs> yeah. we'll get down on again, uh, here in the near future at some point. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And, uh, Keely, great stuff as always. Thanks for thank uh, thank joining you. me. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right. Let's, uh, wrap it up since we've gone on so long already. Thanks for all the questions and thanks everyone for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Make sure you look out for the art cast coming up up on uscfootball.com. That's Keely. I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, you got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.